Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 8080, released on August 31st, 2011. My name is Steve Eunice and joining me is my good mate, Scotty V. Hi, Scotty. Hello, Steve. What's happening, everybody? Yeah, well, uh, it's um, another month and we've got a lot to talk about this month. Um, uh, I excuse, please excuse my voice. I've got a bit of a cold going on at the moment, so uh, trying to uh, <clears throat> stay as clear-throated as I can during this podcast. Uh, how's things on your end? Things are going fairly well. We just got through uh, Hurricane Irene, actually. Mm. We're in a pretty safe area. We had some wind and some rain for about a full day. Our power was out for a bit, but uh, nothing we couldn't handle. There are uh, some some bad places, but uh, we weren't in one of them. So, you know, I guess that was good for us. But mm, I believe it was. So I was just saying, I believe it was downgraded to a tropical storm after being a uh, a hurricane at one stage. Oh yeah, um, I actually didn't hear that, but okay. uh, we didn't have power, so I haven't been watching any oh. news or anything lately. <laughs> it, uh, just came on uh, not too long ago, but uh, we're okay. And uh, I think I think in general it ended up much milder than some uh, initial reports were mm. for it to be. Well, good to hear that everyone there in your family is okay. Uh, let's move on to our discussion topics. As I said, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, this past month, August, has seen a, quite a bit of filming for the Man of Steel film. And um, we will... First off the bat, just after our last podcast, they released the image of uh, Henry Cavill in the Superman costume uh, in front of that uh, bank vault. Uh, very dynamic action type of photo release for Man of Steel. And uh, it brought a lot of discussion on right across the internet. Uh, let's start with that. What was your initial thoughts of, uh, of that picture? The biggest part of the discussion is how all these um, movie people and comics people and casting people managed to do all this stuff right after our uh, last podcast <laughs> all the time. They always bring them out uh, so that we don't get to talk about them until a month later and people can all say, why did you wait so long to even mention it? Well, it's not our fault. Uh, but actually, I thought, uh, when I saw the picture, my first thought was, wow, mm. he looks really cool. I mean, I I, I thought he looked, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, bad i mean like not bad in a bad way but bad in a good way like <laughs> bad like he could actually mess somebody up like you know yeah and then people have said well who wants a superman that can mess people up well i mean i do heartful superman as well that i want to have i want to see character and good writing but it's nice to see a badass superman for in my opinion yeah well, a lot of people complaining about superman returns that you know he wasn't um, action involved enough, you know, that he, there wasn't enough uh, of, of Superman doing something that was exciting and fighting and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, which, you know, for a superhero movie, you would think that that would be um, part and parcel of a film. And uh, here we get a, a picture for Man of Steel that is so different to what we're used to seeing for uh, films as far as the costume is concerned. I mean, with Superman Returns, we had this picture of Brandon Routh standing up in front of this window in a, in a, in a very um, you know, static pose. And here for uh, Man of Steel, we've got Henry Cavill in this very dynamic uh, action-inspired pose um, in front of a bank vault with what, you know, sparks flying and, and uh, a lot of uh, dam damage around him. So uh, it, that was what first caught my attention. And obviously we have to start focusing in on Cavill and the costume and, 
and uh, you know what's changed and obviously what was most uh, in people's minds was whether or not there were red briefs, the red trunks. And it was so artfully posed, this photo, that it was still not clear whether or not they were there because of the fact of the shadows and the lighting and you know it, it left um it answered a lot of questions by while leaving a lot of questions unanswered and uh obviously we have since discovered uh that the red briefs are not there but um in this photo it was it was not clear exactly what part of you know what what parts of the costumes had changed and what hadn't you know uh, i thought it was quite artfully done yeah, well, when you first look at it, you know, that is kind of the first, I guess one of the first things people were thinking about was, oh, you know, are the briefs there? It looks like they are. It looks like there's some redness there. You can see it in the dark, you know. <laughs> um, and, and, my, and my thought initially was they aren't, and I didn't care. Mm. <laughs> as as traditional as I could sometimes be in terms of uh, keeping it true to the source material, you were mentioning the Superman Returns initial release of the photo for the first time. And, and my thought on that was I like the way the suit looks. I like the way Brandon Ralph looks, but it did have kind of a sense of camp to it. Looking at it, it was kind of like, oh, there's Superman. You know, not not that he wasn't Superman. He certainly looked like Superman, but that it was one of those, hey, I'm Mighty Mouse kind of poses, kind of looks. <laughs> And that is one of his traditional stances. He stands with his hands on his hips and his head up high. And, you know, but in the bright sun there on top of a building, it just it was kind of a more, um, I guess, campy, for lack of a better word, picture than this new one where it's dark. And, and it's it looks, as you say, that he's in an action pose. It looks as if to me, it looks as if someone hit him and he flew back into the safe. And now he's getting up ready to deal out some uh <laughs> some two-fisted justice of his own. Mm. Um, and I, 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 I thought at the beginning that, that the tights weren't there, and now that we've seen these grainy cell phone pics and everybody's got something to say about them, it looks as though uh, the, 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 we're definite now that the shorts aren't there. But on the other hand, who knows where these pics are from? I mean, he could be walking to set. Uh, the, the, the costume could be somewhat unfinished. Uh, who knows exactly? I mean, he could put on other pieces when he gets to where he's going. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether they're mobile phone or, or cell phone pictures. I think they might be people f with a pretty good camera from a fair distance away. And so what we're getting is a real zoomed in look from quite a distance away, which probably equates to a cell phone. Uh, photo uh, at the end of the day because of the fact that these people have to stand such a distance away and zoom in from wherever their vantage point is to try to get anything of of any interest and um, so yeah the photos that we've seen that show him without the red briefs on um, appear to be during filming uh, there seems to be um, we've seen the other characters that he's up against uh, the woman who's playing Feora, uh, Antje Trower and uh, and somebody else in a motion capture suit who appears to have a stick on his head showing where his head for the character would be. So obviously we're getting a CGI character uh, in that sequence as well. And, um, and what's what's yeah. good about this that 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 people are you know some people are complaining that we're seeing Zod and Feora slash Ursa again, and now we've had Superman Returns, which was. A rehash of the first Superman movie is now Man of Steel going to be a rehash of the second movie, and we don't know yet exactly what it's going to be. But but my interpretation of seeing these kind of pictures is, 
unlike Superman Returns, where it was all kind of earthly disasters that, that Superman was able to stop, and it was cool. And that airplane scene, to me, is still the best rescue action scene that I've seen in a Superman context on film. But we haven't seen aliens. We still, mm. I mean, we saw Zod and Ursa back in the day, but I mean, where, where Superman Returns failed, people were, were saying he hasn't thrown a punch, he's not fighting anybody, there's all these great <coughs> villains in the books, and we have Lex Luthor and his crystals again stealing real estate. And I, and I think that, uh, if anything, that so far... You know, it could be the worst thing in the world when the movie comes out. But so far, it looks like this could be what we've been waiting for. Some some real throwdown action with possibly an alien creature of some kind. And this guy is just a stuntman, maybe, uh, hmm. standing in this motion capture suit with with a high head because it's a, a, you know, tall a, a character. character that's, that's a large yep. alien creature or... Maybe it's a robot or, you know, maybe they're going to hearken to some of the early days where he fought giant robots and things. Who knows? But um, it's, it's for me, it's it's sparking so much cool nerdosity because there are so many <laughs> things that it could become once they put it into computer animation or whatever it is they're going to do to to add the actual creature or person. Some people have said, non, it's clearly non, non's nine feet tall. Well, maybe he could be nine feet tall or it might not be non. It could be anything. But yeah. But that's what makes it exciting for me, because it's clearly not just going to be two human people walking up to him and, and, and fighting him. Yeah, and for people who are saying, oh, it's Zod and, you know, and Ursa, or, you know, it's Feora in this case, but, you know, Kryptonian villains again, blah, 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 blah. Well, why, I mean, look at Batman. You know, we had the Joker with Jack Nicholson, and then we had the Joker again in, Bat in The Dark Knight. Is Heath Ledger's Joker just the same as Jack Nicholson's Joker? Of course not. It's such a different take on the character that, you know, to say that, oh, it's Zod again or it's the Kryptonian villains again uh, and just dismiss it like that is to dismiss the Dark Knight Joker as being, oh, just another rehash of the Joker from the, the, the previous films. Obviously, well, that's not the case. If you, if, you, if you look at comic books, I mean, how many times does, <clears throat> does the Joker return? Yeah. How many times does Batman actually kill the Joker and we never see him again? I mean, are there any stories, maybe one uh, where they retread and then he comes back later anyway. But I mean, the Joker, the Riddler, uh, Lex Luthor, Metallo, Mongol, all these people for Superman, just like with Batman, keep coming back. I've actually had people argue villains. with me that the reason the DC superheroes are kind of useless is that they allow their villains to keep coming back and, and causing uh, uh, terrible uh, problems for the people of the earth. So, whereas uh, the Punisher or somebody would kill a rapist. Superman uh, sees him raping someone and, and stops him and puts him in jail, but because he doesn't kill him, the guy comes out again. And so, isn't that then Superman's fault that that this that's, that someone else gets raped or murdered because Superman didn't kill this person or whatever? You know, these are long diatribes I get into with people, but the whole idea being that these characters return again and again and again, sometimes even after death. Hmm. So it's it's not it's actually not that unprecedented that we would see. Uh, these villains. Now, the argument is, well, it's a new movie. There's only a few movies. Why can't we use a new villain? There's plenty of villains. Well, for me, we're, we're in a new age. We have the ability to do effects unlike we've ever been able to do before. And I think that we can do things like aliens and super-powered beings in a much 
more dynamic way. If it's done, I mean, it could be, again, it could be terrible, but we have the ability to possibly do them in a much more dynamic way. And, you know, in those old movies, they were, they were disco Zod and disco Ursa. They had these <laughs> flashy black and reddish, you know, I didn't even know their uniforms had red on them yeah, until recently when they released <laughs> the uh, action figures, but you can't tell on screen. Uh, but, but those costumes, again, we, we, we talk about the cheesiness of the Donner films. And, and as much as people talk about he tried to take it seriously and realistically and for the first time a superhero was looked at in a, in a serious manner, it still had that element of, of cheesiness to it. And, and, and Zod and Ursa and the lines they would say and the things they would do were cheesy, even though they killed people and did some things that were bad. They were still kind of goofy in that, that way. And, and I think now we have a chance to show a real ruthless uh, enemy, uh, a scary enemy that, that doesn't say goofy things and dress in a goofy manner. <laughs> uh, the other problem that people had with the costume uh, was, well, mainly the fact that there was no S on the cape. And again, it's those grainy images that we're seeing on set. Um, I don't have a problem with the S not being on the cape. It seems um, overkill in a way. I mean, if we're going to be realistic, you know, about how Superman got his costume or whatever, yes, you know, the S on the chest. Um, Superman Returns did over the top with an S on the belt and S on his shoes and S on his soles and S on the heels of his boots. and uh, well, The whole suit was made up of uh, thousands <clears throat> of little S's. The, the, the entire texture of the Superman Returns suit uh, yeah. was all S's. Well, there seems to be a bit of a texture to this costume as well, but whether or not they're made up of little S's or not is... Uh, remains to be seen, but uh, yeah, I'm not a big. I don't think the S on the cape is a big loss. Um, you know, people say, "Oh, it just looks like a big red curtain now hanging over his shoulders." Well, it's a cape. You know, it's going to flutter. It's going to, you know, in the breeze it's when he's walking, when he's flying. I mean, really, it's not that important. I don't think that the S is not there on the cape. It's, it's just an an, an element that uh, you know wasn't there in the very beginning. It hasn't been there in Superman Returns or Superman the Animated Series. Yes, it's been there in the comics for very many, for a lot of years, and it was in, you know, uh, Lois and Clark, and you know, but I don't think it's necessarily a big, a, a big loss. I don't think it ruins. I, I, you know, I've been saying this on the on and in the comments sections. I've been saying it on my my Great Scott segments. I've been saying it on Facebook. I, I've gotten into discussions with people who, who continually say this isn't Superman when they look at this picture. And I don't know how anybody can come to that complete conclusion without having seen the movie, but it seems to me that their whole basis of saying this isn't Superman is that he doesn't have red trunks and he doesn't have an S on his on his cape. And I just think that sounds incredibly ridiculous and short-sighted uh, because it looks like Superman to me. I mean, I mean, and again, everybody has their own opinion. So I've gotten I've gotten yelled back at. Well, of course, that's the whole point. It looks like him to you. But that's your opinion. It doesn't look like him to me. These people will say. And I don't really I mean, to me, the costume has not been changed all that much. It's still a very traditional looking Superman. He's still got the red cape. He's still blue with the red boots and the red. The only thing missing is the questionable in this day and age briefs that have been that have been a, a source of discussion and jokes about Superman for years and years, and 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 the yellow S on the back of the cape. Uh, clearly, in those grainy pictures, which are much better than the new ones that have come out with him kind of confronting Feora and whoever her companion is, the ones on the farm where you can see the cape clearly do not have the S on them. I've heard people say, you know, they can add them in post. They can put them in in CGI. You know, maybe they can. And I know the problem with the Superman animated series was that they just felt like it took too much time to animate the S on the cape. 
The argument I've heard now is that it's so easy that in CG they can do anything and that it only takes a moment and that that's a bad excuse. And I haven't heard them use that excuse in this movie. I heard yeah. it used with, with Superman Returns. But who knows? It may just be a, a costuming decision that, like you said, maybe it's overkill, maybe it's unnecessary, and it certainly doesn't make him any less Superman. Exactly. And... Um... Yeah, the, the costume overall, I think the biggest change has been the red briefs, but it is Superman. You can look at it, and the general person in the street will look at it and say, that's Superman. And, you know, yeah, the red briefs will be will be obviously something that they'll say, oh, that, he doesn't have them on his suit. But, you know, it, Superman's costume has changed much over the years, not as much as Batman's costume has changed. Uh, you know, and nobody complained in the Batman films to, that I know of. I'm sure there probably, probably were Batman fans who complained about, about the costume design in... The Dark Knight and Batman Begins, but you know this is uh, you know we're talking about seventy-year-old characters. They they've got to evolve. They've got to change, and um, uh, thankfully they haven't changed as much as what we've seen. Other movies change the costume, like the Nicolas Cage film that was that was obviously thank God never made had a massive change to the costume of the de design of the costume. So I think we can be thankful that it's still iconically Superman. Yeah, I think so. All right, well, let's move away from discussing the suit and that first picture and talk about some of the filming that we've seen uh, in Plano, Illinois. Uh, they've been... Uh, and, and, you know, we're trying not to spoil too much for people who are trying to stay away from, from spoiler material uh, and just want to go into the film uh, without any preconceived ideas. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to, to do a Superman podcast without discussing some elements that people will, contain, will, will consider to be spoilers. Um, but uh, for everybody else uh, who have been looking at the pictures, you know, they, we've seen lots of helicopters. We've seen, you know, what appears to be a, the tail of a crashed plane. Uh, we've seen army. We've seen military. We've seen tornado uh, discussions of a tornado and, and massive fans and, and turbines brought in to uh, mimic what, you know, the winds of a tornado would, would look like. And it all seems to be happening in Smallville because Plano is doubling, uh, Plano, Illinois is doubling as Smallville. And obviously... We're talking about a month, month and a half of filming that's gone on in October, in August, and that's where they're filming at the moment. So people are saying, "Oh, this whole film's going to be set in Smallville." Well, no, that's we're talking about, a, you know, a couple of months worth of filming. That's where they're doing this sequence. They'll then they'll be moving to Vancouver, and then they'll be moving to Chicago, and then you know they'll be shooting other elements of the of the story. So at the moment, we're just seeing what's happening for the Smallville section of this movie. I think it looks uh, it looks really interesting. There's a lot of cool things going on. It does appear in those new pics that uh, that this that this confrontation is taking place still uh, on some Smallville uh, lot. But it is possible that that they're just filming a portion of a scene for later. That 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 it's a a blank lot that doesn't necessarily have to be in one place or another. But who knows exactly until we get there. But certainly. Most of the picks that have come out have, have made it clear that, that we're in Smallville and that there's something crazy going on. Is it some sort of tornado? Is it, is it these aliens arriving and causing damage? Who knows? But uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm very interested. Yeah, and the thing to do that we have to stress is not to... I mean, yes, we're speculating, we're guessing, and we're trying to infuse our own thoughts on what it might be and what might be happening. But at the end of the day, we don't know. You know, it, we, can, we can guess and speculate, as I said, based on the photos and based on the sets and, and what have you. But we don't know how much of the film this will involve. We're, still, we're talking about a film that won't come out till June 2013. So, uh, you know, we've got the whole of 2012 to go 
for all their other parts of the film exactly. that they might be doing. I'm so. actually a little surprised that they're filming this early, being that they have that much time. But for whatever reason, it was moved off its initial date, and and uh, maybe they needed more time, or maybe they wanted to get it out of that that time frame altogether. Um, but clearly, they're getting some work done pretty early, which yeah. leaves them time to, to for many many months and years to do whatever else they have to do exactly now the other bit of uh, casting information that came out and was kind of uh pushed back into the into the background because of the fact that the photo came out of henry cavill in the superman costume soon after this announcement and uh you know production has uh, has kind of moved along was the fact that uh, lawrence fishburne was cast as perry white and that caused uh quite a bit of a stir amongst the fandom yeah, uh, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a uh, a movement away from uh, traditional thoughts on what the character is and what he looks like. Uh, we were talking about tradition earlier with the red briefs and the yellow S on the back of the cape. These are things that sometimes change. You know, uh, Supergirl has had had many costume updates. You can mm-hmm. change your costume uh, as a human being. You change your costume every single day, and every once in a while, you might come back to the same exact shirt and shorts combination that you had on a few weeks ago but in general we always wear different things we can go to a a tailor and have something made for us that's a little different than something we wore before so i think when you're when you're talking about briefs or a yellow s or a slightly different color it's probably a little easier to accept or at least i would think it is simply because you can change your clothes in general most people can't change their entire heritage or who they are or where they've come from so i think that when you do something like that, it's a much it's a much stronger and heavier departure from what people were expecting, and so sometimes you get sort of a, more of an uproar concerning that. Although in this case, I think maybe the briefs and the cape uh, being different has actually caused more of an uproar <laughs> than uh, than Lawrence Fishburne being cast as Perry White. Yeah, um, it, it is like a change from what we expect of of Perry White to look like, and uh, from the comics and from other portrayals of the character. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, you know, Perry White is a supporting car- character. He's not a, a main character in as far as it's not, he's not Superman. He's not Lois Lane. He's not Lex Luthor. Uh, you know, he's a support character. And um, well, generally, he's, you know, thought to be a man in, of, you know, middle uh, to late, uh, you know, a, an elderly, elderly gentleman with graying sideburns or side, you know, side on his hair, um, smoking a cigar and, and you know, a bit paunchy maybe, and and obviously white. Um, it's more what his character and how he's portrayed than what he looks like to me. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I did a uh, a piece in Great Scott about my uh, my initial surprise and and uh, I, I won't say disappointment, but I mean, it wouldn't have been the way I would have gone simply because it's it's such a strong departure from. 70 years worth of uh, who I know these people to be. And as I said, you can change whether or not you're wearing underwear on the outside of your clothes or not. Generally, you can't change uh, who you are or what your heritage is. But that being said, um, I, I've, I've said in other places, I think Lawrence Fishburne's been good in, in anything I've seen him in, and he's clearly uh, been heralded for his acting ability. And I think it's entirely possible that he really was the the best choice out of whomever they thought of that they were going to get to play Perry White and that that's the road they decided to take. And uh, clearly, just like with seeing the costume in action or seeing how these scenes play out in Smallville, 
we won't know 100% until we watch the movie, but it's again, it's going to be based on script and story and how these characters come across on screen. A lot of people were very disappointed in, in, in Frank Langella's portrayal, exactly. saying that really isn't Perry White. I mean, Perry is uh, a lot more... Uh, aggressive than that. He's got a lot more stronger a presence than that, and it didn't come across to them when Frank Langella did it. Now, now, in defense of Frank Langella, he had, you know, three lines, and he was on screen <laughs> for thirty seconds. So, it was kind of hard, I think, as an actor to bring all that much to the role when you have that kind of a uh, such a minor part in the movie. I would expect that with Lawrence Fishburne uh, playing the character, that there will be a little more to it than that, S simply because he is such a big-name actor and uh, simply because they went to whatever pains they went to to specifically cast Lawrence Fishburne mm. and not just some black guy. I mean, they cast a known actor, a guy who has been heralded for his performances in the past and who is known by people who will be seeing the movie. So when I see something like that, I think that... There must be a reason. There must be there must be more to his character than has been presented before. Yeah, and uh, again, we can't judge his performance or his casting until we actually see him in the film and see, you know, exactly how he acts. Because he could, you know, they could have cast a guy who looks exactly the way everyone thinks Perry White should look, but he might not act the way Perry White acts. So what's the point? Uh, well, so. look, I mean, the most famous portrayal of Superman, at least in most people's eyes, is, is the Christopher Reeve uh, movies from the 80s. And, and my thought on Perry White in those movies was that's not really whom I think of as Perry White. He was kind of a small, short guy. Uh, he kind of had the attitude a bit, but, I mean, he didn't really look like Perry uh, the way I would have expected him to look. So I have the same uh, thing going on with Lawrence Fishburne, but... Now I get to see how how he comes across and how the writing is to to make me believe that this character is Perry White. And it, it's not really going to matter, as you said, what actor is playing him, whether it's Franklin Langella or, or, or Lawrence Fishburne or Jackie Cooper. If the writing comes across that this person is Perry White, that's really all that's going to matter. Exactly. Now, uh, as we're recording this uh, podcast um, on Monday, the 29th of August, uh, Warner Brothers actually invited a, a range of media to visit the set in uh, in the Chicago land area for Man of Steel, and uh, they've just returned as uh, we're recording this from being at that set visit. Now we were on the shortlist of people to be invited, but we didn't get um, uh, an invitation as such. Uh, they were looking for more larger media outlets like Variety and Entertainment Weekly and Movies dot com. Uh, so oh, they, you mean you mean outlets that don't care about Superman? Oh, well, okay. I, th <laughs> I think what you th what we're, what they're looking for is outlets that would have a wider um, reading audience um, and right. will be able to target the movie-going public at large, where we would be targeting Superman fans who would be going to see this film anyway. Um, so it's probably. Um, that's the reasoning. I'm, I'm guessing. You know, I was definitely dis disappointed that we didn't get invited. We were invited to the Superman Returns set tour, which went over two days back in 2005 here in Australia. But um, this has taken place over one day in the Chicagoland area. I think it was in the Aurora, Illinois, um, where they set up base. And um, but we won't be seeing those reports about the set tour until probably early 2013. 
Um, these, wow. yeah, these um, set tours are usually done with an embargo agreement set in place. Each person has to sign a contract that um, stops them from saying anything to anybody or reporting on anything uh, until an embargo date, which will be closer to the release of the film. And I remember when we, when I went on the Superman Returns set tour in mid to late 2005, we weren't allowed to say anything until early 2006. Um, so it was like sitting on uh, on this news, on this report for eight months or so until I was actually allowed to release uh, that information on the website. So don't expect to see any of that uh, information come out um, from this set tour uh, for quite some time. But uh, interesting nonetheless that this set tour has taken place and that uh, these reports will be uh, published in the, in the not too distant future, but uh, not anytime soon. I do have one bit of breaking news, and I'm going to break the embargo just 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 because I know this, and that is that uh, Russell Crowe did not hit anyone with any phones during the uh, during the uh, set uh, tour. <laughs> Very good. Well, if he did, it bounced right off Henry Cavill's chest. That's so. right. <laughs> but um, yeah, f- filming will move away from Plano uh, to Vancouver Island. Uh, I think the two places they're going are Nanaimo. Nanaimo and um, another place I can't think of the, of the name, but off Vancouver on Vancouver Island, they will take place in September, uh, up until early 2012. So there'll be quite a bit of filming taking place uh, in Canada uh, over the next uh, five or six months. Is it our understanding that uh, these places in Vancouver are going to serve for sections of Metropolis? I believe so. Um, Chicago is also supposed to be. Metropolis, the actual city of Chicago. So I'm not sure what we'll be seeing, what they'll be filming in the Vancouver Island area. Um, it, it, it may be, uh, you know, who knows where, where they're actually located for those filming sequences, whether it be, um, you know, beaches, whether it be, you know, cities, whether it be farmlands, who knows. Uh, but I'm sure we will see photos like we've been seeing photos uh, in the Plano area uh, once they do start filming in those uh, locations. I'm excited. I get excited, everybody. Everybody that's <laughs> a little worried, a little concerned, of course there's cause for concern. But, you know, be excited at the possibility that it could be something fantastic. I mean, I'm I'm stoked. Yeah, and they'll also be uh, filming later in the uh, Edwards Air Force Base. So uh, we'll wait to uh, see when that all happens. But, um, yeah, that's where they're heading uh, at the moment, to the Vancouver I mean, Island. Every day, I- I just I look forward to coming online and seeing what 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 new photos are going to come out from people's cell phones and what <laughs> what new stories are going to happen. I, I'm just I, I, it's so exciting and, and everybody's <laughs> angry and upset and yeah, I, I just I'm excited. Yeah, you and me both. Uh, it, it's yeah. it, it's a funny situation because you know I understand you know people are not wanting to be spoiled and wanting to be able to walk in the cinema in June 2013 and just go in there and watch the film and have no preconceived ideas about what it's going to be like. But it's hard when, you know, it's hard for us because we're involved with the website, but it's hard as a Superman fan with access to the internet to not want to see what's going on and, and uh, you know, and see the photos and see the costume and see all these behind-the-scenes things uh, because you just you can't wait. Yeah, it is. And I remember, I remember going to see um, 
some movie back in the late 80s and and a preview before the movie was uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and I was younger and I had no idea this movie was being made I mean I had heard rumors that there might be a new Indiana Jones movie and you see a preview like that totally uh, unexpecting it and it's just I mean it rocks you out of your seat and you're excited you know when you're a big fan so sometimes I long for the days where there wasn't a picture every single day and, and, and where we were surprised when we saw a preview or when we read about something that was coming out next month. Now we read about movies being made two years in advance and then we know they're coming and part, you know, you can, there's, there are reasons to get excited in, in that manner too. But I do, I do understand what, why, why people don't want to get spoiled. And it's, we are in an age of information and, and where it's so easy for, for, for things to get leaked out and for pictures to be released and, uh, it's definitely not uh, as simple as it was back in the 80s. No, definitely. Unless you're taking a film totally in studio with no exterior shots, then it's pretty much impossible to keep anything a secret, especially when you're filming on locations in towns and, and places where uh, people live because they want to know what's going on in their town and what's going on around their city and they're going to take photos and they're going to post them on Facebook or you know Twitter or, or on a website. So... Uh, uh, it's just, you know, if you're coming to the Superman homepage, it's our job to show you anything that's Superman related and people want to see it. And uh, we're trying our best to keep uh, spoiler alerts uh, there so that you can, if you want to remain spoiler free, not see those photos or not hear about that information without clicking first to um, reveal the information. So uh, we do have those people's best interest in at heart. All right, well, the other movie talk... Um, there's been a bit of a rumour going around and a bit of uh, information leaking from Warner Brothers that they're looking quite seriously at a Batman-Superman movie uh, in the near future. Yeah, I read that report. Um, again, I'm shocked. Uh, I'm surprised that this is coming up again. Um, as with any superhero project, uh, specifically Superman-related, I'm open to it. I want to see it. I want to see anything they can do with these characters that's going to be good. And, uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't see why they wouldn't do it with all these uh, combined movies coming out where heroes are in other people's movies mm. and, uh, you know, Avengers and Iron Man and uh, Hawkeye was in uh, Thor. And, you know, they cross over and, you know, Marvel's got a really interconnected universe going on with their movies right now. Um, there's no particular reason why DC can't do the same thing. Uh, there is something to be said for each movie standing alone and kind of the idea that the one hero is the only hero. It kind of makes them more special. But on the other hand, in the comic books, it has always kind of been connected and, and one character can always be talked about in another's book and can always show up. And They are in the same universe, so why not? Yeah, well, we don't know at this stage whether or not it will happen. We don't know whether... Or, you know, we'll see the same actors involved from both universes. Uh, there's talk that, yes, Cavill would be involved. But, um, you know, we don't know whether or not Christian Bale would uh, decide to, you know, don the, the cape and cowl again uh, for a Superman-Batman film. But, um, you know, who knows? It, but it, it, is, it is out there. It's been talked about again, uh, as is a Justice League movie, as we've heard, you know, many times over the years. So uh, I think it's interesting uh, we know another Green Lantern film has been, you know, the sequel has been uh, greenlit and is going ahead. There's always been talk of a Wonder Woman and a Flash movies, you know, in the works and what have you. But um, let's just wait and see whether or not a Superman-Batman film comes out. And, um, you know, supposedly the script that was out there from a few years ago 
uh, was well liked by Warner Brothers and uh, they may return to that idea once they have the Superman uh, franchise up and running. Awesome. Yep, <laughs> well, let's wait and see. But uh, we, we await Superman, uh, wait Man of Steel before we, wait, we worry about a Superman-Batman film. Um, but let's move into our comics discussion. And obviously this episode of this podcast is released on Wednesday, August the 31st. Big day, big day in DC Comics Universe because it's the day that the Justice League number one is released and it's the day that the new DC Universe is, is launched, the new 52. This is the first of the 52 number ones coming out in September and uh, Justice League number one is the one that kicks it all off. And the Flashpoint number five as well. In a, in a series of DC reboots that just seem to keep hitting the fan. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. yeah, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big thing. It's, you know, relaunching, uh, 52 new number one comic books is, uh, a massive undertaking and it's, uh, you know, got quite a few people, um, offside. There's quite a few people upset at it. And, um, you know, we've discussed it in, in the past, in our previous podcasts in regards to the relaunch. But um, it is exciting it, nonetheless. Uh, you know, if you are going to be jumping on board, uh, if you're a new or an old reader and you're interested in this uh, relaunch, um, it's, uh, it's the dawn of a new era. It is indeed. I'm excited myself, not because I wanted it to change, not because I'm happy about all the changes, uh, not because I think it necessarily had to change, uh, but for what it's going to be now that it is changing, the idea that... Um, even I, who have been reading for a number of years and have gotten used to these characters and know them in the situations that they're in, find it exciting that we have the possibility to see them in new situations, to see them from the beginning, to see them from early in their career, to see them interacting and meeting people that we know are going to become a part of their lives or going to become an enemy of them. But, but how it happens in this particular incarnation. There will be people that say, oh, well, he didn't meet Lois that way, or, oh, well, Mattel wasn't like that. But, but you know, we're in, a, again, a new era. We're, we're telling stories for a new generation and for old generation people who want to continue and, and want to keep seeing stories about these characters. But we're going to see it in a slightly new way with new takes on, on familiar characters and, and things maybe we haven't seen before. And I'm hoping that it's going to be really exciting and, and really cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it is different. And um, it'll be interesting to see just how well the stories are told because that will make or break this relaunch is the stories themselves. Um, you know, people will be upset at things changing and change is, is always a bit scary. But if the stories are good and if the stories are interesting, then, then they will win people over. Um, I think that's what it comes down to is good storytelling. I think it's that with with any medium. You know, we were talking about the movie before. Yeah. You know, you either like the costume changes or you don't. You either like Henry Cavill as Superman or you don't. But it really is going to come down to whether the script is good and whether the actors play their parts well. And with the books, uh, it's going to same with TV. It, the writing is what's going to be most important. Yeah, if, if the writing fails, then it doesn't matter how close it looks to your exact version of Superman. If the writing fails it's not going to be good for anyone. That's right. Now, before we get into uh, this whole new era, this the relaunch, uh, we've got a number of comic books that have come out in the past month since our last podcast uh, to end off the, uh, the the crisis era, if you like, of of DC Comics continuity. Uh, with We had Superman 714, which was the end of the Grounded 
the long and arduous some at sometimes <laughs> rounded storyline. Uh, what did you make of Superman 714? Well, I'm laughing now, but Steve and I have attempted recording this exact portion uh, several times. This is like the third <laughs> hour of trying to record this because Take I have been 17. nonstop crying uh, for days now, <laughs> realizing that all of these books are coming to an end only to start again. Uh, I thought that the ending to Grounded was uh, very well done. I was appreciative of some of the winks they gave us. Uh, I think uh, I believe in every corner of my being that they purposely put in the dialogue at the end of the book where they talk about being together forever and they talk about being meant to be together and they talk about fate and the team Superman in the future mentions that they will always be a part of each other's lives and that they're 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 fated soulmates. And I think that was put in there to directly um, um, answer the fans that are that are upset that the marriage won't currently be um, involved in this new uh, relaunch, but that that does not mean that we don't know that Clark and Lois end up together at some point in the mm. future. And I, I really enjoyed reading that and I thought it was well done. And obviously the long and arduous journey that grounded sometimes was finally made a little bit of sense. And, and we saw some of the reasons why things were going on the way they were going on. And, and I thought it was handled rather well. Yeah, I actually saw an interview with Chris Robertson who took over the writing of Superman from uh, J. Michael Straczynski uh, to conclude and, and, and take through the grounded storyline. And they thought about whether or not how they would conclude the books and, you know, leading into the relaunch. And I think it was just a happy coincidence that it ended up that way um, for those final pages. But um, it was definitely, a, you know, a nice way to tie things off. And, um, uh, yeah, you know... The whole Lois and, and, and Superman relationship was handled quite well and came, you know, they came together at the end and uh, the future Superman and all those, the, you know, the, the legacy of Superman uh, was uh, was quite touching. So it was a nice chapter to what, as you said, was sometimes an arduous journey uh, for the grounded storyline. Now, the other main Superman book was Action Comics 904, which ended off the uh, Reign of Doomsday uh, story. Um, I wasn't as, funnily enough, I enjoyed the, the reign of dooms, of the doom, of doomsday's, uh, story Funny. quite a bit, um, throughout the, the, the run, but I didn't think that the ending, uh, was as, as good as the ending of Grounded. No, I didn't, I, I, I didn't think so either. And I, I think part of it for me was, uh, I actually just read it before we, uh, started talking and. I found some things a little confusing. I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. I didn't really know what they were doing or what was happening in some places. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say I really like the artwork. And and this yeah. book has two different artists on it, and I think both of them did a spectacular job. You know, most of the action of the issue uh, was done by uh, Axel Jimenez or Jimenez. Um, and and I, I, I really like – I think they have a dynamic look. I think they have a pseudo-realistic look, and, it, and, it's, and it's really neat. And then when you get to the calmer pages with Lois and Clark having dinner at the end, um, they have a slightly different look, and that's Ronan Cliquette uh, who's doing those. And, and I again, I, I like this look too. I actually, mm -hmm. for the first time in reading a book with two artists, I really didn't notice an incredible difference. You sure. know, looking more closely now, 
the lines are a little bit more harsher on the action scenes at the beginning, and it's a lot more smoother and, and uh, cleaner looking in the back of the book. But again, that could be that could be okay because most of the book is action, and then this book is at the end, it's more static, and they're kind of just uh, sitting and they're they're talking calmly. So I think the art matches what we need in terms of the story here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did like again the final two pages. Uh, with Lois and Clark uh, together, and 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 uh, maybe they're you know again, people are speculating. Maybe they're bringing an end to the era of Lois and Clark, and 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 they're saying, look, this was we had this for a time. Now we're not going to have it, or maybe again, it's another it's another showing that uh, no matter what happens, no matter how we change this, at some point in the future, whether you get to it in your reading time or not these two characters are fated to be together. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons people are most upset. And I think from what I have seen and the people I have talked to, this seems to be the biggest point of contention, the idea that Lois and Clark are not going to be together in the relaunch because it is such an iconic relationship. And I think everybody knows that Lois and and, and Superman are together. And I, I think that that's why it's such a heartbreaking move and I think that's why it hurts so many people and, and bothers them. And then I hear talk of boycott and I'm not going to read if they're not married. They're ruining the greatest relationship in the history of, you know, literary uh, form. But uh, I think that's what it is. And I can totally understand it. Um, but I still believe that we're just going to see them at an earlier point in their life. So, yeah. Well, you know, what? If I, I think if you went out and polled uh, the general public, if you took a, a survey of, say, 10 people, just the first 10 people you met walking on the street, anybody, and you asked and you told them uh, that Lois and Clark were married, or that Superman and Lois Lane were married, I think they would be surprised. I don't think, I think the so general too. public know that they ended up getting married or that they, you know, they always know that there's a, that triangle of Clark, Lois and Superman. But I don't think many people in the general public ever actually understand that the two are married uh well i think most most people have their 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 uh knowledge of superman handed to them through movies or television yeah and they only know whatever it is that and and the most well-known as we talked about before version of superman is that is the christopher reeve era uh and i was saying to some people online even that i think is fading from consciousness it may not be fading from super fans who have been around since then and who have watched them. But, you know, I have young people in my family that that can't even sit through those movies. And I don't know exactly what that means, but I I know that uh, they love superhero movies. They watch Spider-Man. They love it. They watch Iron Man. They love it. But they sit down and they said, oh, we know that these are classics and we know everybody talks about them as the movies to break all superhero movies and that that's what started it and that everybody is trying to measure up against that. And then they go, why? They watch a little bit of it and they go, I, I don't think they're very good at all. That's what I hear from a lot of younger mm. people. And then, and then I think that there are even younger people than that that just haven't had the opportunity to watch them and never had an interest in them and their family didn't have an interest in them and superheroes weren't a part of their family's life until kids came along. So now it's the new stuff. It's the more modern stuff. And I think that those movies w- wouldn't translate as well to, to younger kids today. And I think that that's a lot of what's going on in, in this relaunch and the new movie. They're trying to bring a younger crowd to the movie. They're trying to attract non-comic book readers, people that just want to see a good superhero movie because that's what's, you know, in the movie theater every year you have some superhero films. That's what's really popular now. Yeah. And I think that they're trying to capitalize on some of that. Just being a general superhero movie with Superman in it. 
that that the, the general audience can like, that the general audience can enjoy. And I, I think that some of that idea is going into this reboot with the comic books. They're hoping to attract some new readers. Yeah. Well, uh, I, yeah, I think that uh, the iconic, you know, understanding of people in the street is that there's that love triangle between Clark, Lois and Superman. And that's what we're getting back to in, in the comic books uh, in this relaunch. Um, but, but again, the other books that are finishing uh, or, or have finished this month, uh, this past month, were Superman, Batman, uh, number eighty-seven was the final issue of that title. It's not being relaunched in the in the in September, and uh, it ended on a really high note. Uh, Joshua Falk, Fialkov's um, "The Secret" with the you know Batman's identity uh, becoming known, and and the, the writer of the Gotham Gazette. Uh, having been killed for his knowledge, uh, it was a great story. It was really, it was, it was um, something that you could really sink your teeth into. It was a good story. I enjoyed it uh, very much. Uh, it's another uh, Batman and Superman uh, comic book uh, storylines tend to often take place in the olden days of Batman and Superman's relationship, mm -hmm. uh, their early days when they maybe hadn't worked together very much. Uh, it's funny because it seems like out of 87 books, you know, and most of them are at least three parters. So, you know, you have, uh, uh, 30 books or so that are complete stories out of 30 stories. It seems like 25 of them are Batman and, and <laughs> Superman talking about how they're just getting to know each other. So they, they had a lot of stories where they were just getting to know. It's like, <laughs> this is our first mission together like 30 times. But, uh, I did like the story. There were a few things that stood out to me as a little bit bothersome in part two, because um, it ended on a cliffhanger with the Joker behind uh, Clark about to smash him with a mallet. And I thought, uh, do, are we supposed to believe that Clark doesn't know that the Joker is there? He didn't hear him. He doesn't, he doesn't, I mean, he's going to let him sneak up on him like that. He, and they do cover it in the first few pages. I'm still, I think, I still think it's a little off uh, because then he says, where's everybody else? As if he didn't notice walking through the entire building that no one was there. And he got all the way up to his desk and sat down and still doesn't realize that no one's there. And then he maybe hears the Joker breathe. And then he realizes that the Joker's there. And he says, where are all the other people that work here? <laughs> uh, my thought at the end of the book was that it was early in the morning uh, and that no one was there yet. You know, it was three o'clock in the morning or something. And that he went in through a window and that he was in there and nobody else was in there. And then he heard the Joker, which would still be a little questionable because he should be able to hear the Joker from outside the building. But, yeah, well, I mean, you know, just because you've got super sensors doesn't necessarily mean you're using them all the time. Uh, if, you're, if you're really involved in writing a story, um, you know, we all, our wives know that if we get engrossed in something, uh, you know, we can, they can be screaming their lungs off and we won't hear them. True indeed. Good point, good point. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just because you have sensors doesn't mean you're actually tuned in on them all the time. I mean, we've got ears we can hear, but sometimes we tune out uh, when we're, you know, involved, engrossed in, in doing something, especially if you're concentrating, sometimes all your other senses get uh, get locked out. And uh, I would ex I expect that would be true of Superman as well. But, I don't know um, if he could tune out that the entire building was empty as he walked Well, he might have been so engrossed in what he was doing that he just didn't realise everybody else had gone home. Yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, neither, ne you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting the way that, you know, he thought he'd have to uh, reveal his secret identity because of you know falling to the street and then Batman swings in and says look you know I need a little help here <laughs> you know uh, so Superman actually you know um, it wasn't all Batman saving Superman as we've 
you know, get sick of sometimes. You know, Batman always seems to be the one saving the day and Superman's just this muscle-bound uh, clud. But, um, you know, he actually needed, uh, needed Superman's assistance uh, to save his own secret identity. So I thought it was quite good. Yeah, I thought it was cool too. Uh, uh, Michael Bailey in his review mentioned that uh, the one thing he didn't like about the art was the way the Joker looked. And I, I got to agree, not necessarily that I don't like it, but he does look a lot odder than we have seen him look uh, in the past. Uh, and he, he seems to have scarring on his face, red eyes, different different looks. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the cover, which was done by someone else, it, it definitely looks like more like a traditional-looking a Joker, which is sometimes interesting because we know that most times the covers are done by someone other than who does yeah. the interior uh, drawing. Uh, but in this particular case, it's it stands out a lot more that it's done by someone else because the characters do so do look so much different here than they do on the inside. Mm-hmm. And now, um, Supergirl number sixty-seven was the final issue of that run of the book. Uh, Supergirl will be getting a new number one in September. Um, I wasn't really a big fan of the final story. It was a bit, you know, her going to college and um, all these um, super smart people being abducted by Professor Ivo. And, um, yeah, it just, it, I don't know. There seemed to be a lot of, <laughs> lot of loose ends just seemed to didn't, do, didn't really get wrapped up. Yeah, it was a little odd. I didn't mind the story in some parts. I like the idea of Lois and uh, Kara working together. I like that Lois was a... Was a uh, supporting cast in this book as often we don't see her very much in the superman books where she's supposed to be a supporting member so anytime we can have lois get more screen time i i think that that's a good thing so i like them working together but a lot of it didn't make a whole lot of sense you know lois kind of kind of seemed like she was taking the whole thing rather lightly and and there were kids missing and she was joking about it and she was sending Kara to school at the same time and it was funny and they were in their pajamas and it was just a weird the whole thing was kind of a weird situation yeah. uh you know I didn't mind it incredibly but there were a lot of loose plot points I mean the main girl who goes missing in the first book that they set up this whole sting operation for isn't even talked about no, uh, what she found, what she did, what happened. Uh, ah, who cares? It's just a book, you know, yeah. I guess that was, you know, and you got to wonder whether or not they, you know, with all these books having to wrap up, whether or not the writers were made to cut short a story or whether they had to condense their story into, a, you know, the amount of issues to fit in, uh, with the relaunch. So, um, I, you know, I can't lay all the blame at the writer's feet. It's possible. I mean, it's a lot of things. A lot of times I see it in a movie or a TV show where I go, why did they do that? It would make it would take one line or two lines to just yeah. say, and the girl was found. So even if they had to cut a story short, um, they could have just added a line saying that she was returned to her family or she was back at the school. Yeah. It's not like it would take a whole panel or two pages. You no. don't have to show her. You, you just mention it in, in passing, and that would have been fine. But uh, uh, Jeffrey... Uh, Bridges, who has been reviewing Supergirl, I guess since since the book started, um, mentioned in his review that he just didn't buy the love part of it, the idea that uh, Kara and this boy would be kissing. Um, I got to say that I was okay with that simply because they're supposed to be teenagers. Teenagers' hormones are flaring. Uh, they, they tend to quote-unquote fall in love, I think, a lot easier than maybe a, a full-grown mature adult would. They're not as guarded, and uh, Supergirl is lonely, and uh, this kid is pretty looking. And I think boys, 
when when presented with a gorgeous girl like Kara would be much harder to uh, stove off from kissing if that was an option. <laughs> so I think that the, the fact that the boy comes right out and kisses her, it's not like they thought about it, they talked about it, they decided they loved each other. He just did it, and that's an impulse a teenage boy could easily have. Uh, and he, and she went along with it because they were attracted to each other. And I don't, I don't, I didn't really find that to be all that absurd. Yeah. Now uh, Superboy finished off with number eleven, a short run for that uh, that era of the Superboy title. Who uh, will again be getting a new number one with the relaunch? Uh, and it finished off the Hollow Man story. Uh, set underneath Smallville. Yeah, this one's a little odd in that, uh, as you kind of giggle, um, it only started 11 issues ago and, and we're already starting at number one again. I, I kind of feel the same way about Wonder Woman, about Flash. It, it seems like these books have been restarted recently um, and then before that, not too long before that. So uh, it seems odd that they would that they would start over again but i guess they're going for a whole new thing and i'm looking forward to seeing it we've never really been privy to the actual cloning process how he became uh alive and 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 broke out of his holding you know we just we found out later on we didn't even know right away that that lex luthor was involved and mm. there was a whole you know that, that that he was half and half and uh, and I, I'm 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 looking forward to that part of it, which I think is one of the one of the good things coming out of the relaunch. We're getting to see some of the backstory that we may have not seen in some of these characters before. But in terms of this book ending, uh, I thought it was a, a good end to the story. Yeah, well, again, there were a lot of uh, threads that could have been picked up on if the story had continued, as if the title had continued, you know, with a new supporting cast. Uh, you know what's going on there with uh, with Lena Luthor and um, you know with uh, these new characters, uh, Psionic Lad, and you know he was his mission was supposed to kill uh, Simon Valentine, and you know now he's friends with them, and that kind of all got you know short shifted because of the fact that it's ending, and you know the Hollow Holy- Man finished story finished, and um, we won't see these characters again. But um, that's that's part and parcel of what happens when you relaunch. Uh, yeah, um, that's one of those things. I mean, it seemed like Psionic Lad might have been here to kill Superboy. He might have been here to kill Simon. Simon might have been Superboy's great enemy in the future, mm. or he might have been his great friend. And it almost looks like, and the 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 idea that they had to rush to wrap this up, that everybody's just friends, and nobody was here to kill anybody, and there's no threat, and everything is fine, and they're going to be friends forever. That's that's what. Yeah. It's, and it seems like that wasn't that surely wasn't the way it was going to be, no. but. Uh, clearly the way it has to end because we can't leave a closing book on a cliffhanger. Exactly. And then uh, Justice League of America number 60 was the final issue of that run. And it was a, a book, uh, an issue that was definitely a wrap-up issue. You know, they, they took this whole issue to wrap things up and that version of the Justice League has gone on and, you know, each one's gone on their own individual way and the book has been closed in a manner that was quite fitting. I uh, haven't read that one. I, I uh, haven't been picking up Justice League for, for a number of years. I I, uh, I think I stopped around issue 17 or something along okay. those lines. Uh, my uh, my sole interest has always been Superman, not yep. that I don't like other heroes, but, but when, when he kind of gets taken out of the story a bit, uh, I, I kind of lose interest in buying more books, mainly because of money. I mean, I've yeah. heard people say they're going to get all 52 <laughs> titles, and I just I, I can't. 
I can't afford to buy 52 <laughs> titles, unfortunately. So uh, as great as some of these stories may be, I have to pick and choose. So yeah. uh, no. I am going to be getting the new Justice League. It mm-hmm. looks like we're getting back down to seven people, and Superman is one of them. So uh, as long as that keeps up and as long as the stories are good, uh, I'm going to stick with that for a while too. Yep. Now uh, we've had these Flashpoint tie-ins along with the, the main Flashpoint book. Uh, I've been reading, uh, you know, Flashpoint itself. I haven't and haven't been reading all the other books, but I've obviously been reading the Flashpoint Lois Lane and the Resistance uh, three-issue run and the Flashpoint Project Superman three-issue run. Um, the Lois Lane one really, I think, was mislabeled because I don't think Lois was that big a character in, uh, especially in the last two issues of the book. Um, Project Superman, and on the other hand, was quite interesting. It was a, a, a you know. Um, a, quite an interesting take on, on what you know, on this alternate version of what could have happened uh, had Superman landed in Metropolis and you know been taken in by the government for, as from a small boy and just shut off from the rest of the world and experimented on for his entire life. Yeah, I liked uh, the Project Superman book myself. I liked again the tie-in with Lois, the idea that even though he doesn't even know her, even though he didn't work with her, he hasn't grown up with her, he never met her before there's some sort of a faded connection between them that uh, even even when he is sprung out of his prison by other heroes, he flies off to find her because he uh, met her earlier yeah, and he has knew she connection. might be in trouble. It's, 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 it's kind of a neat uh, thing that they went into, and I like how 3 wrapped up to lead us into 5, and I'm interested to see what part uh, Cal plays in five because he's kind of been talked about and showed up for a very brief period in the, in the flashpoint proper title, uh, but hasn't been a real driving force. And I'm, I'm hoping that we see some more Cal action in, in that book. Yep. Flashpoint number five is also released on August 31st. It's one of the only other books other than justice league number one to be released uh, this week, August 31st. So, um, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see just how that, uh, concludes. Uh, yeah, there was a, uh, Superman Beyond book that also came out yep. this past week. Superman Beyond, uh, Zero. That's right. The, uh, idea being at least at this point that it's a one-shot book. It does kind of pick up events from the, uh, Batman Superman annual from this previous year, uh, where Superman has left being Superman and, and, uh, might, return and in this book he returns and uh, we see what ensues and how that plays out so if you haven't read it it's kind of an interesting uh, book i'm not crazy about the art but uh i did like the story and i like the idea of a possible third superman title uh, being based in this time period i wouldn't mind seeing a, an ongoing superman beyond title mm, well it leaves itself open to uh you know a possible uh, future uh, with, you know with him returning to uh, Metropolis and getting a job uh, through Jimmy and and um, you know that it, it leaves itself open if they do want to pick it up. Indeed. Okay, well let's move away from our comic book discussions. Um, there isn't much on the way of TV news uh, to talk about. We do know that Smallville season ten uh, DVD and Blu-ray will be released in November, November 29th, as will Smallville the complete series on DVD. Uh, November 29th uh, is the day for those releases. Um, Beyond that, uh, Young Justice returns finally with new episodes uh, from Friday, September 16th. Hooray! Uh, Yeah, Targets, which some people have seen online and uh, via the Cartoon Network website. 
has not been aired on TV, uh, but will air on September 16th at uh, 6.30pm on Cartoon Network. And after that, I'm assuming, we haven't seen the schedules as yet, but I'm assuming there'll be more new episodes following Targets on Friday, September 16th. Indeed, I'm looking forward to that. I've also been reading the tie-in comic book, Yep, Young Justice, which I think is aimed toward younger readers, which is another way, uh, other than possibly, you know, uh, relaunching your entire line and, and making them all number ones again, to to get new readers to have some of these books that star younger characters that might entice younger readers to pick them up. You know, if a younger reader thinks a, a, a father figure who is married and works at a newspaper isn't all that interesting or that they can't connect with him, they might be able to connect with a uh, another character that wears an S symbol that is kind of uh, against authority figures and kind of has a problem with with uh, the father figure that was in question and uh, and and has is angsty and kind of teenagey and uh, I think that's another way to possibly get your your audience that you're looking for and that is to entice young readers with young reader books that that can then turn into older readers as they grow up. Yeah, and the book ties in nicely with the comic book series. It uh, shows elements of the of episodes that you know you wouldn't have seen in the TV episode itself. It uh, especially with this latest issue. Um, what issue was it? Issue number seven, seven ties into the Artemis story and yep. um, exactly what's going on with her behind the scenes and and um, you know ties in with that episode. Uh, where she's seen, and um, but it shows something that wasn't shown in the TV episode itself. So it's quite good that it ties in quite nicely with the uh, cartoon series. Yeah, I didn't know until we got to that page in the book, and I was like, oh, well, that's really cool, you know, because in the story, in the, in the show, she just kind of, you see arrows, and then she's gone or whatever. Uh, and this is a to-be-continued book, so there's actually going to be more to her being there, even though the rest of the team didn't see her, we're, we're going to see what she was up to and how she got to where she was, and it's very neat. Yep. Now, uh, Young Justice Season 1, Volume 2 DVD, which uh, includes the episodes 5 to 8 of the uh, first season, will be released on October 25th. Um, these DVD collections really... Uh, anger some people because they only include four episodes, and it seems to just be a uh, a money grubbing, um, you know, way of of, uh, of capturing people's uh, back pockets. And they anger me. I already bought volume one and broke it over my knee immediately <laughs> uh, because I plan on buying the full season set when it comes out. But uh, yeah, well, you yeah, it's an odd thing. I mean, I I actually being that it's so short a season anyway, uh, it almost seems like they should combine. Uh, two seasons, you know, whatever's mm. starting now. If this is season two, starting on September 16th, or if this is just more of season one. I think it's just more of season one, but... All of these should definitely be combined into one to be called one season, however yeah. they're going to do that. Well, they will do that, I'm sure. I think these uh, season one, volume one, season two, volume two DVD collections, and they're pretty pri uh, they're priced pretty cheaply. I think they're more of a, um, for the general public who, you know, might see it on the rack as they're approaching, you know, the checkout and they see this DVD sitting there for a couple of dollars and think, oh, you know, that might be a good present for little Johnny. Um, I yeah. don't think it's for the collectors. The collectors will hang out and wait for, uh, you know, the whole season um, to come out, the collected set. But, um, you know, if they happen to collect a few dollars off the completists out there who need every version of uh, the DVDs that are released, then I'm sure they're not worried. <laughs> for sure. But uh, 
Speaking uh, of other ways of getting people's money, uh, DC Universe Online, the game, um, has released a new update uh, that is uh, set in the Fortress of Solitude. But it's free in terms of getting other people's money. The update yeah, well, is free. The update is free, but um, I think a lot of Superman fans who may have been holding out for the game because up to this point, all the updates have really been Batman-centric. Uh, this here we got uh, a Superman-centric uh, update that uh, you know is based in the Fortress of Solitude and features Brainiac trying to steal uh, Kryptonian technology. And now you've got Superman having to reluctantly team up with uh, Lex Luthor to uh, defeat Brainiac, and uh, the update is now available to download uh, if you're a subscriber of the game and you own the game. Um, it's out there now to, to download. Seemed very cool to me. I haven't yet gone back to it. I, I played the game for my free month. I, I like a lot about it. I'm hoping that a lot of these updates enhance it more, which is what they're intended to do. But for all those people that uh, are upset or complaining that, that everything is Batman-related, and I'm one of them. I look at the books. I look at uh, clothing for kids. I look at the way they try to market comics or cartoons. And as we've talked about before, it seems like Batman is always the center of attention. And as you just mentioned, it seemed like a lot of the updates for the game uh, DCUO were all Batman-centric. Um, uh, it seems to me, when reading comics and when looking at, you know, if you look at the DCUO tie-in, uh, that Superman uh, not only is really still the number one guy, even though his books don't sell as much, even though he's not as popular as he used to, and even though it seems like DC is shying away from him a little bit, th the entire story of the game is Superman-centric. Brainiac is a Superman villain. The whole idea of him being a part of the destruction of Krypton and coming here because Superman is here and, and Superman trying to stop him. Uh, the books showing how Superman got out of control at the beginning of the game. The, the, the video at the beginning of the game was all Superman-centric. And these books, even when we get into Flashpoint and and uh, the, the, the new Justice League book, spoiler alert, uh, has come out that a Superman villain is going to be the first villain in the new Justice League book. So uh, I think that Superman is still very much alive and well and, and still very much a big part of DC's plans and a big part of the game's plans. So uh, I think it's still, uh, and, and again, Superman is the main focus of the story of the game, even mm -hmm. though it's about you and how you become a superhero. And uh, a lot of the story is Lex Luthor and Brainiac and Superman, which are all aspects of the Superman comic books. Yep. Okay, well, that's our discussion topics all done. Um, let's move into the big questions segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's big question was, how do you feel about the premiere of Man of Steel being pushed back to June 2013? Yeah, well, we had quite a few responses uh, from people. Uh, first up, and I know you'll cheer for this, is a audio response from Mikey B. Ray. <laughs> that was a, uh, a very mediocre cheer. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's see what Mikey had to say. Hi Steve, hi Scotty, Mikey B here. Um, when I saw the news that the date had been pushed back, I was a little disappointed. I was just so excited about seeing this movie, you know, it, it's six months earlier than it's going to be showed now, that that was a little disappointing. Uh, they certainly uh, make, it certainly makes sense that they don't want to compete with their own movie, The Hobbit, and, and summer 2013, they didn't really have a marquee 
uh, movie, so Man of Steel fit in very well there, I think. And uh, I'm glad it's getting a chance to be a summer blockbuster. I, I think that's great. I hope it works. Uh, as always, guys, great show, and take care. Thank you, Mikey. And uh, remember, you can send in audio responses, but we'll get more into that as we get to the end of the big question segment. Who else did we have uh, responding? Grr, Scotty hate reading. Send in audio responses. <laughs> uh, Tim wrote, At first, I was disappointed to learn Man of Steel was pushed back. I was really looking forward to having a Superman and Batman film in the same year, and now DC will only have Dark Knight Rises to go against Spider-Man, Avengers, and the Ghost Rider prequel. The more I think about it, though, I would rather they take their time to get it right than uh, push it out quickly and having a bomb. I just hope they use the extra time to their benefit. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Brendan Savinsky wrote, I was worried about Man of Steel because Superman the movie took quite a long time to film. film. Granted, they had to figure out how to make him fly, but they needed to get it right. I was a fan of Superman Returns, but many were not, and the producers have to prove to fans of everyone else that this man who is invulnerable and can fly and who is from another planet is relatable and someone who we should aspire to. It is better to have gotten it right than to rush to get it out in theatres. Well, a very similar response there. Yes, and I agree. I agree. We need to get it right. And some of the flying sequences in Superman Returns did seem rushed. They were using CGI yeah, a lot. I agree. And there were some points where you could really tell it was CGI. And I've been a long-time proponent of models. Yeah. Uh, in other words, that when you're doing a Star Wars movie, the actual ships on, on cords. And I think it looks better. And you can really tell when it's a really CGI'd out of control. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Bowles wrote... Everybody, stop panicking. Taking more time is always a good thing. Remember, the first Superman flick was originally planned for June 78 and released at Christmas that year. I remember when The Godfather Part 3 came out, Coppola was only allowed nine months total from pre-production to release, and you can tell from the poor quality that it was rushed. Supposing he had extra time, it may have been a better film. What we ultimately want is the best film possible. Soups deserves the best. Yeah, well, most fans seem to be uh, proponents of that extra time making the film better. Uh, Brad Wooldridge wrote, I think it's a good idea to push Man of Steel to June 2013 to allow more time to punch up the script, develop the story and character f characters further, and allow more post-production time to make the film as polished and finished looking as it can be. I love the idea of having a Batman and Superman film both premiere in the same year, but this is a smart decision, especially with Warner Brothers' The Hobbit coming out at roughly the same time as Man of Steel was originally slated to. Agreed. And look, uh, when we do see the Batman movie now, it's, uh, there's, there's a stronger possibility that we can get a teaser trailer uh, to premiere with the Batman film, Could which be. would be a nice, a nice connection. Yeah. Uh, Hector wrote, hello from Chicago. I like the idea of having the Superman movie moved to June of 2013 because Batman will come out in 2012. I think Batman should have its spotlight in 2012 and, and Superman in 2013. We will have a whole year to talk about Batman. Then when Superman comes out, we already got Batman out of our system and we'll be ready for Superman. Then 2014 or 15, a Batman Superman movie. Keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, well, thank you, Hector. Uh, Tom Spillman wrote, Hey, guys, just wanted to say I agree with you two. Pushing the Man of Steel movie back to 2013 makes more sense. That way the studio has more time to make the special effects polished and presentable, as well as make sure the film jibes smoothly as a whole. One point of contention, though, I think the movie was made not just to avoid competition with The Hobbit, 
but also to, sorry, the move was made not just to avoid competition with The Hobbit, but also to ensure that Warner Brothers' tradition of releasing a superhero film every summer that we've seen lately continues unabated. I like that idea too. We hadn't yeah. mentioned it, but I like the idea of the Superman movie being in the summer simply because it's a tentpole type of movie and uh, it should be played in the summer. Well, it'll be winter here. Well, in, in America, <laughs> it's a big summer movie. Yeah, yeah no, got, I'm just true. kidding. Um, Guthrie McLean wrote, hi guys, the delay, well, I was just disappointed, but thought it was obvious that they might push the date to summer once, uh, to a summer release once DC Comics won the rights to Superman. I had a feeling that might happen. Of course, when I read that Man of Steel was set for a December 2012 release, I thought, that's not a good release date for a Superman movie. It should be in the summer. Ah, you see, Steve? <laughs> uh, despite this news being disappointing since we have to wait six more months to see the movie, it just means that Snyder and the rest of the crew have more time to make it right. Yeah, well, uh, that six, extra six months seems to... Uh resonate with a lot of people in the fact that they will have more time to get it right. Uh, let's hope they use that time wisely. Uh, what's our new big question, Scott? Our new question is, what do you think of the new Superman costume for Man of Steel? Now, yeah. I imagine we're going to get some responses that say, well, you guys are a little late with this question, or we could just pull a bunch of responses off the internet, because <laughs> there are plenty. Uh, but we'll probably get a lot of answers. Yeah, well, I mean, I think now that everyone's had a bit of time to soak it in and see extra bits of photos that, you know, from the set and, and you know, calm down a little bit, uh, that we might get some responses that are well thought out rather than just uh, rash, um, angry, you know, yelling responses. But, um, uh, you know, obviously uh, I was going to ask the question about the relaunch, but I thought, you know what, we want responses as soon as we can and uh, we want to allow our next podcast... Uh, for people to have read all uh, the uh, the related relaunch comics, and then we can ask next month what we think of the relaunch of the Superman and other DC Comics books. But uh, this month, we're asking you about the costume for Man of Steel. Give us your thoughts for the Big Question segment by sending in a response. You can do that uh, by recording your own audio response and sending in an MP3 file, which we will play. Or you can type your response, and Scotty, Scotty and I will read those Read those out in our next Radio KL podcast. Based on what I've been reading online, I predict a lot of the costume, this movie will suck, responses. That's <laughs> what I've been seeing a lot. Yeah, well, uh, let's hope we get something more well thought out than that. But uh, we'll see in the next Radio KL podcast. Natasha installs some upgrades. Are you done? I think so. What do you mean, you think so? Well, you know, I mean, you can't really be 100% sure about this stuff. Yes, yes you can. And you should. I checked today's itinerary and, uh, getting pulverized inside my steel suit wasn't on the list. While well, Lois turns to a friend for help. So what's up? Well, it's... Lara, my parents, my sister, the Daily Planet... Ugh, everything. You worried about Clark, too? No. Yes. I mean, no. Meanwhile, Superman and Supergirl get up close and personal with War World. It's horrible. Okay, it's freaking disgusting, is what it is. So much filth. Ugh. There's life everywhere, but I can't see through enough of the machinery to even find the ground. The going gets tough in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 80, on August 31, 2011, only 
at PendantAudio.com. Cal, I've got a bad feeling about this. Superman and Supergirl may be facing more than they bargained for. Oh, that damn. You too. Calm. Who do you think you are? And back in Metropolis? All right, look, bug whoever you are. Oh, oh, crap. Crap, indeed. Gage pays Metallo another visit. Nothing terrible is going to happen. They always say that. Don't miss Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 52, coming August 31st at PendantAudio.com. Bailey's Bookshelf. Uh, Michael Bailey returns with a bit of a twist on uh, the Bailey's Bookshelf this time around. Uh, so let's hand over to Michael now and see what he's got for us this month. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the segment here on Radio KAL where normally I walk over to my bookcase deep in the recesses of the Fortress of Bailey-Tude and pick out a Superman trade, hardcover, novel, or even reference book to talk about. This month, this month I'm going to do something a little different, and you can blame DC Comics for this, because they were the ones that decided to have the relaunch of their universe happen on the very day that this episode of Radio KAL is going, quote-unquote, live to the internets. Yes, indeed. Today, Flashpoint number five and Justice League number one come out as one door closes and another opens for the characters of the DC Universe. Some are getting kind of light reboots, even though I know DC doesn't really like that term. Green Lantern and Batman, for example, are not really changing all that much at all. I mean, yeah, sure, Sinestro is going to be Green Lantern. But other than that, their histories are not being altered all that much. Superman, however, is getting more of an aggressive relaunch. Uh, Grant Morrison will be writing action comics. George Perez will be writing Superman. And we're even getting a Supergirl and Superboy title as well. Meanwhile, Batman's getting a thousand titles, and I think that's kind of a shame. I know normally I'm not much to editorialize in this segment, but I'm feeling kind of frisky with everything going on. I mean, if DC's going to go ahead and do stuff like this, I, I, I kind of feel like I can comment on it. Anyways, I thought it might be fun this month to look at some of the hardcovers and trades of the other Superman relaunches that have been going on over the past several decades. The first one I'd like to look at is Superman Kryptonite Nevermore, which is part of the DC Comics Classics Library series. Uh, this uh, bad boy was published in 2009, had a cover price of $39.99, a nice hardcover with a dust jacket, and reprinted Superman issues 233 to 238 and 240 to 242, which is sometimes called the Sandman Saga. This is an excellent story. I have read it, and I have enjoyed it. it it's, it's a really great modernization, quote-unquote, of Superman for the Bronze Age. And to me, this is where Superman in the Bronze Age really kicks off. And that's why I'm kind of considering it a relaunch, because Julia Schwartz came on as the editor at the beginning of this storyline, 
and really kicked Superman in the pants and tried to make him a little more modern, again, relatively speaking, since we're talking about, you know, 1970, 1971. About 16 years later, John Byrne would revamp the character again in the much publicized and apparently much maligned by some people Man of Steel miniseries from 1986. And you can find this in various trade paperback forms. More recently, in 2006, DC put out yet another trade paperback of it under the Superman the Man of Steel banner, which is a trade paperback line that ran for six volumes and pretty much reprinted the first year of the post-crisis on Infinite Earth Superman. In 2004, DC published Birthright, written by Mark Wade, and this was an effort to update Superman for the aughts and the new millennium. And while it is not a straight-up relaunch, because DC kind of shuffled its feet a lot after, after publishing the story, I'm going to consider it one mainly because it was a new origin and the comics for a very, very brief period before Infinite Crisis did try to adopt it and incorporate it into the storylines. And finally, I have Up, Up, and Away from 2006, which was written by Jeff Johns and Kurt Busiek. And this was the post-Infinite Crisis Superman kickoff. And really, for about the storyline, actually, tried to relaunch Superman into the post-Infinite Crisis world. Pretty much right after this story was published, Jeff Johns and Kurt Busiek went to very different creative directions with the character, and for about five years we got a lot of meandering and confusion and wondering what the origin was, but Up, Up, and Away as a story is fantastic. It shows a powerless Superman regaining those powers and becoming the hero we all know and love. We get a lot of great Lex Luthor moments. Uh, there's some neat team-ups that, that take place with Green Lantern and Hawkgirl, and I will wholeheartedly recommend this trade as well. And now, as I mentioned before, DC has drawn yet another line in the sand, and a new version of Superman is ahead of us. Some people are excited about this. Others are outraged, but here's my take on it. While I think that DC has made some questionable decisions regarding Superman over the past five years, I also think it is kind of cool that they realize that what they've been doing is not working and need to try something else. Grounded and Reign of the Dooms Days were great stories, but to me they were kind of too little too late. It wasn't enough to save that version of Superman from the relaunch chopping block. So I think a new take on Superman is in order. More than that, I, I, I think a new generation deserves to have its comic book version of the Man of Steel. And frankly, the post-Infinite Crisis Superman had too many elements of the past to allow a new reader to claim, them, to claim Superman as their own. Jeff Johns tried his best to make everything fit, but I think for Superman that approach to characterization doesn't work as well. The, the new readers of today, the readers that have popped up in the past five or six years, need to have a Superman that reflects their sensibilities. And as long as DC stays true to the core concept of who Superman is and what he represents, then everything should be fine. 
these are exciting times. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in Action and Superman. But they are also uncertain times, and I have no idea how everything will turn out. But I sure am looking forward to the ride. So that is it for this month. Remember to check out From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, which I host with Jeffrey Taylor. Every week we discuss another half month these days in the life of Superman that existed from 1986 to 2006. You can find new episodes just about every Thursday right here at the Superman homepage. And now, back to Stephen Scott. Well, thank you, Michael. Now, remember, if you do have a suggestion for Michael uh, for the Bailey's Bookshelf segment, you can email him via michael at supermanhomepage.com, and I'm sure he'll take uh, those suggestions and use them in a possible future Bailey's Bookshelf segment of Radio KAL. I suggested a Nicholas Sparks romance novel, and he told me no. Yeah, I, I had a Mills and Boone one out there for him, but um, I don't know if... You, yeah, I don't know. He just doesn't seem to like our suggestions. No, not at all. Oh, well. Fine. Super secret soundbite time. Last month's sound came from Main Man, the ninth episodes of uh, season one of Superman, the animated series. Really one of my favorite uh, episodes. Five people guessed it correctly. Brendan Savinsky, Fred Walsh, Brad Wooldridge, David Abraham, and Matt Newsboy Apps. Well done to those uh, five people. Uh, let's see if they and more people can guess where in the Superman world of, of, uh, of things this sound comes from. Now look, Mr. Kent, this is a big town. You'll find quite a few planes flying around here all day and all night. If it bothers you, you better go back to the farm. Well, if you think you know where that sound comes from, it could be from the animated series, it could be from Lois and Clark, Smallville, Superman the movies. Uh, it could be from anywhere in the Superman world of, uh, of things, uh, you know, uh, audio from any of the Superman mediums. If you think you know where it's from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KAL podcast. Superman song time. Mm, What do we have this this month? This month's song is I'll Be Your Hero by 2BE3, which was a French boy band. Very, very popular. Still around today. Banging it out. Oh, no, wait. Oh, geez, they were only active from 96 to 2001. <laughs> yeah, 2B3, I think, is uh, the way it's pronounced. But, uh, oh, 2B3. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes sense. Now I know who they were. <laughs> no wonder you didn't know that they weren't so uh, Of course, I read it wrong. That's yeah. just, I'm stupid. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, here is I'll Be Your Hero by 2B3. Superman, if you need me to, I'll be 
that do you remember that oh, song? of course of course those guys you know we're on a, i text them regularly oh yeah yeah i follow them on twitter uh, yeah of course i mean that's just you know for me to have pronounced their name wrong and not know uh yeah well i mean, I mean just, we are recording this pretty late for you what time is it there as we're recording this it is 1 11 a.m oh well we better wrap up the show and uh, let you get to bed uh that's the radio kl podcast for another month and remember, if you've got a suggestion for Scotty and I for Radio KL, you can send an email to me via steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can contact Scotty via scotty at supermanhomepage.com. Maybe you've got a song you'd like to suggest, you know, 2B3, anybody, who knows. Uh, maybe there's a uh, topic you'd like us to discuss. Uh, maybe there's a big question you'd like us to pose to the Superman fandom out there. All those suggestions can be sent to us using those methods. But for now, thanks for listening. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. Remember, everybody, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KL from supermanhomepage.com.